On this episode, we have a special guest, Alberto D'Anarfio, and we'll be talking about Martin Scorsese's extensive filmography. What's going on, everybody? Hey, Sean. How are you? Oh, we're, we're surviving. We are surviving. That is the operative word. I just came back from a really intense work week. I was working at a, an expo for quite a few days, so it was uh, quite busy on my end, but it's glad that it's over. It was productive. It was quite the learning experience. How's everything on your end? It's good. So uh, I, I don't know what's the name in English. I know it's in French, Le Salon du Livre de Montréal. Yeah. So it's the book <laughs> book week for Montreal. Yeah, it's the, uh, like the book expo, essentially, in, yeah. over in Montreal. So I was working as an uh, exhibitor there for distribution. So f- fancy old big shots. Good for you, buddy. Good for yeah. you. Um, on my end, I've been okay. I, I officially were able to go to the theaters at least like two to three times since the past two weeks. So I'm happy. Uh, it's the first, I think, since at least since summer. So I'm, I'm really happy to mm-hmm. like, uh, I was able to catch a few movies. And what did you go see? Uh, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, which ah. uh, is pretty fun. Really cool film. Liked it. Um, I saw The Last Duel officially. <laughs> it's oh, been nice. a while. I have a lot to say on this one. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's one of the best movies of the year for me. So oh, uh, for I'm sure. really happy. Really it's going to be that one. in the top three for me for sure when I, when I yeah. publish the article. And what else have I seen? What else? Jesus, what um, else? Well, what else in general? Oh, we have a guest. We have a guest. <laughs> we yes. have a guest. Dun, <laughs> forgot, dun, dun, we dun, forgot dun, the, dun. the most important thing. So, yeah, um, so we don't yes. want to leave our guests hanging over here, but we have a good friend of ours who we did school with, and he's done some pretty amazing things since leaving school, and we can't wait to talk to him for you to go on that adventure with him. So without further ado, Alberto D'Anafrio. What's up, guys? Hey, everybody. Man. Oh, man. This is great. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited? Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I know this has been in the works like for quite a quite a while. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on the show for a, a while. few weeks, yeah. but yeah, no, you were a few on an A-listers, A-listers since the beginning, so yes. <laughs> we've been <laughs> thinking about you for a while. Like, it's been so busy. Like, uh, like for example, like, Dune, I'm only seeing it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how, how crazy everything is well we're gonna be talking about what you are doing what you have been doing and everything in this show and then we're going to be talking about influences as well so we're going to be talking about both you and a certain filmmaker for a good chunk of this show certain italian american filmmaker but of course before (laughs) we we get into any of that we're going to go around the table and we're going to see what everyone's drinking today and why we're drinking that today Yes, so indeed. Alberto, you're Alberto, you're the guest. Go first. Yeah. Go first. I'm just I'm just drinking uh, gin tonic. That's okay. like my go-to. So how is that your go-to, or why is that your go-to now? Because for the longest well, time, you've more been like I don't think I've ever seen you drink a gin tonic. So yeah, this is something that I've been doing like I guess for the past uh, few years. Like whenever I just go out or I'm at home, like just uh, gin tonic. If it's not like uh, like. Obviously, we had a lot of pub crawls back yeah. in the day. 
and uh, we drank a lot. <laughs> but now you've and migrated had, to something. I've had, I've had some. Uh, I've had some some experiences with other drinks that I'm not too happy about, and I feel like once I started drinking gin tonic, it's like those experiences just like went away, and it's just been like a like a cool time. Like it's just a drink you could just sip on and enjoy, and not. Uh, yeah, it's more yeah. of a like a social drink. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like something that you have. You don't want to overindulge in a gin and tonic. If it's something you just have casually by yourself with friends, you have like exactly. one or two, and you're like, "This is good. Like, this does it for me." Exactly. The gin that I'm using is uh, just classic, like Bombay. But um, the other uh, few weeks ago, my uncle made me try the Ugava mm-hmm. gin, the yellow right. gin, like from the, Quebec. Yeah. Yeah. How that was that? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Incredible. It's- so that elevated so, your gin and tonic experience. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, so you're here to hear first. Get yellow so gin. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. 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 Yeah. Fred, what do you have? What I, am I having? Um, a special whiskey for sure that I never had before, but I heard a great deal about. Um, since you're more of a scotch aficionado than I am, Sean, have you ever heard of Monkey Shoulder? I haven't. You haven't? Okay. Uh, so I was always looking for it on like ACQ shelves, never finding it ever. <laughs> and I went there, downtown Montreal and I found it like there was like three bottles. And you found it in the middle of a strike. Middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was uh, no, super happy to, to, to found one to find one. So, yeah, it's a blended uh, malt scotch whiskey. Um, it's it's really cool in color. It's like like an orange kind of color. Like the light brownish um, orangey, and I think that the key characteristics out of this one is that it's really, it's sweet for for a scotch. It's um, you get a lot of vanilla notes, a lot of sweet oakiness, and um, mm. uh, like a citrusy, but not so much just like a, a lemon flavor, but more like a pineapple and orange with that. It's a really really distinctive taste for a scotch, and uh, I'm really happy with it. For, so for it sure sounds it's, uh, very it's a keeper. like a summer drink sounds amazing it's do you so have good. it in front of you yes i'll show you the bottle it's look it looks like for this. for all the people oh nice can, oh that looks very it's a really cool bottle yeah so the way bo- the bottle looks looks more like a rum bottle it does it does yeah. or like something more like a, a bourbon but yes it's it's it doesn't look like a, a scotch it um, does not really happy about it man it's a it's a great find uh it's about 53 canadian bucks give or take uh so uh, no it's perfect for if you have a, f- a couple of boys around that want to have a good drink this is like this is a good scotch that we should please all for sure it's really good oh, nice. I like it. i'm gonna bear that in mind where's it you, from is, is it from oh. scotland yeah it is but the region specifically i need to check i'm not 100 sure i'll get back to you on the, on this one no all right for me, I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago that I wanted to drink it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm just doing a nice classic Jack Daniels old number seven today. So I've nice. gone over to a traditional Tennessee whiskey right now. It's been a long time since I've had just Jack Daniels straight up. It's a drink that I would preferably use as like a Jack and Coke back in the day. Uh, it's, you know, it was like the rum and Coke equivalent to Jack and Coke and uh those days are behind me so <laughs> it's For uh, most of us it's too sweet yeah. it's too uh, yeah too intense yeah, exactly too, too i don't even like soft drinks anymore so it's just having it straight up it's a yeah. completely different experience Same. it's 
is a little harsher than I remember, especially coming off of the Gentleman Jack and having Honey Jack a couple of, uh, like last summer as well. So having just a regular old Jack Daniels, it's it's a little rougher than I remember, but it's definitely not unpleasant. It's uh, it's not a smooth drink. It's a little coarse. I had the I had the Honey Jack uh, a few times too. It's really nice. Too. <laughs> well, honey Jack is really nice. Yeah, this one is. Because it's very sharp. As soon as it hits the tongue, you're like, oh. And it's almost like it's jolting you awake a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it definitely has the the spicier element to it, which I guess that comes from the, the bourbon rye influence, if I'm not mistaken, Fred, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But since you had Gentleman Jack and the old number seven, like pretty much not back to back, but close enough, um, do you have a preference or do you, do you use... Can you I find think the I difference would go between for the two? yeah. I think the gentleman Jack was a lot smoother, and I yeah. would gravitate towards that at the end of the day. Like this is, I wouldn't go out and buy a Jack Daniels number seven, other than just to have like one. So just getting like a little bottle is fine. But mm. would I get like a forty dollar bottle of Jack Daniels? I don't think I would. But it's still fun to explore this Southern classic. For sure, man. Good pick. Yeah. Good pick. Well, on that, note, nice pick. on that note, cheers, boys. Enjoy your drinks. Cheers. cheers. Enjoyed everybody. It's a, nice, uh, it's a nice reunion. It is a nice reunion. It has been a while. And before yeah, we get started any further, I just want to remind the listeners to give us a like and a follow wherever you're listening to this from. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts and a few other places. So giving any sort of like, follow, feedback, rating super duper duper helpful i will be very appreciated like yes it, mean, it would mean sure. a lot to us it would. Uh, of course you can always check out more info on the website screenhub.blog and i would imagine fred you're gonna have a, a review for ghostbusters on us i will i'm still working on it it's uh, it's taking some time but yes i'll finish it soon uh, and uh, like we discussed today, we'll have um, a review of 2021. I think our, yeah. our best and worst picks out of the year, both in terms of movies and TV. So I already done my portion, but I'm curious yeah. to see what the boys are going to put in. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing that. And just putting it out because you mentioned the best of TV. Uh, I started watching Arcane on Netflix. Holy shit. That's yes. a great show. How is it? It's a great show. Oh, man. It might be the best show I've seen all year so far. Oh, wow. Wow. It's excellent writing, excellent voice acting. The animation is the best I've seen since Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Big claim. That's so yeah. I'm, I've started it a few days ago. I'm already like six episodes in. I'm like, this is quality shows. Like, I, it was one of those things like seal of approval. I haven't finished it yet, and I'm already like, go watch it. Just do yourselves the favor and go watch it. Wow. Yeah, right. so bear awesome. that in mind. So, pivoting, though, we're going to be talking about our guest, Alberto. Yes, Berto. Well, you know, why don't you yourself, buddy. Yeah, explain, yeah. tell everyone about you. We know all about you. Well, okay, so I'm a, as you guys know, I'm a filmmaker, a musician. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, doing my university with uh, these two gentlemen right here. Wood, wood, uh, we wood, had, a, wood. had a lot of fun times. Uh, it's just like uh, so many great memories and after school uh, after I graduated I just uh, I worked on um, a short film on a 16 millimeter 
uh, called uh, Sharpay, which I submitted uh, for the Cannes uh, Marché du Cinéma, Marché du Film, which basically where you could submit your work and you go there and you 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 just network uh, the hell out of yourself and the movie, and uh, you get to screen it in front of people and. Um, You know, you, you meet the potential distributors, potential investors for future films, for you meet so many, so many awesome people. So that was pretty much what kickstarted my my journey post university um, in uh, in cinema. And ever since then, uh, it's been uh, gun ho with, uh, you know, uh, I did a good year and a half with uh, uh, Rubicon Pictures and Media. They They hired me to do a lot of uh, music videos, um, directed a lot of music videos um, with them. And uh, that got me a lot of experience in uh, working on sets and just especially under like uh, limited budgets. Um, and uh, as you know, like with lower budgets, you just be become more creative and you have to think of more unique ideas. And that that gave me like a good, uh, good sense going forward, you know, to think outside the box when it comes to uh to content and uh, stories so uh that uh there was one day that um i was just uh, in their offices uh doing a pre-production on a music video and um in the same room a writer went into the room and uh he uh, they were talking about a feature film and uh in the back of my in the back of my head like as i was working on pre-production with uh the assistant director like I was just listening to that conversation about the feature film and not really paying attention to the pre-production of the music video because obviously feature films is like my my goal and uh and uh they left the room and right after that the the president of the company he just he comes to me is like so do you want to direct a feature film and I'm like I'm like fuck yeah like yeah well let's uh let's let's yeah i'm super down obviously like i didn't really know what to say just except like yeah let's go let's do this did the so it was like right it was like right place at the right time i'm sure like they had like an idea that they were gonna ask me eventually about it but but uh it was just like i was in the room and they uh they asked me and uh after that like i sent uh, the writer who was also the the producer on it sent him my work, uh, my short films, my music videos. He liked my stuff, so he said, we'll do it. And it was a very, uh, very low budget feature uh, called The Death of a Traveling Life Insurance Salesman. Very long title. We shortened it to Dotless, like when we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it, we shot it for uh, 15, 15K. But uh, everyone who's seen it uh, so far, they, they tell me that it looks like it was shot for like 150K. Wow. So it's like we literally put everything like it was a true passion project. Uh, everyone on set was uh, did it uh, for the experience, and um, and uh, it was just we put everything on screen, everything we had. What was it like? Yeah, it was both creatively working with a budget, like working with a budget. Oh my god, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, Luckily, like the the guys at that Rubicon and uh, the executive producer and the writer, who was also one of the the actors in the film, they had like a very they didn't have like a very like uh, intense attitude where it was like it it kind of like uh, intimidated me. Like I didn't feel intimidated at all. 
it was it was more like it was actually fun like knowing that we could be creative and uh but even at that like sometimes we like we planned like me and the, the director of photography we were stuck in a room for like two weeks making a complete shot list of the whole film and i like i never went through that experience like doing a shot list for like i think it was about like uh 80 something scenes or something no not 80 scenes maybe less but like it was about like uh the the page was like the the amount of pages were like 85 90 pages so the movie was around an hour and a half yeah yeah which we did eventually cut it down because we couldn't we only had a 12-day shoot so we had to cut things down and uh we we gave the the shot list to the uh, <laughs> to the producer and uh, we had all these dolly shots planned and it's like we don't even have money to rent a dolly <laughs> 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 like oh, okay so that scraps that so we had to we had to use like our our makeshift dolly in the end but that was just like a funny moment where it's like after two weeks of like you know all that prep. <laughs> all the prep and we had like these cool shots like it didn't, it didn't like ruin everything but it was one of those like uh wah, wah moments. Yeah, like you had a vision in your head and money prevented you from achieving the vision yeah which is a very simple thing dollies aren't complicated yeah. <laughs> i've done like makeshift dollies with like skateboards yes exactly yeah. like yeah. it was basically a skateboard with duct tape <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's what we, that's what we used you used a skateboard <laughs> That's what we use. Yeah. We we used uh, not a skateboard, but we used like uh, you know the the two rails with the platform and the tennis balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but you know, like the guys uh, working on it, they were we were all like pretty well experienced. Like we we're, were experienced, so they were able to use it to the best. Uh, exactly. When you understand the mechanics of what has to go where and how smooth something has to be, you're pretty yeah. good at like MacGyvering the situation as best you can with the limited yeah. tools you have. Yeah, no. and uh, oh my god, man, we were shooting ten pages a day, man. Which, like, for context, day. that's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. lot. Like, yeah. the average is maybe like on a good, like on a good schedule, like you're shooting maybe three a day. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that, because it's roughly a minute a page. That's usually industry standard. So it's crazy yeah. to think that it takes a day to film three minutes of content. Yeah, like on a more traditional set so the fact that you're doing 10 a day that sounds very guerrilla style to me oh yeah it was very it was a mixture of guerrilla but we did have like some cool setups uh yeah it was a mix of both some some scenes that we we had to completely scrap the uh, the ideas and go guerrilla style but it it just worked out where it's like handheld the guerrilla style work for that scene it just it the gods were like looking down at us like helping us out (laughs) yeah and uh and yeah so after that uh that was a good um 12 days shooting with like uh, two days off in between so like uh, two weeks so i spent uh, two weeks in hudson shot it in a hotel and um and then uh, we finally we we screened it at uh, the hudson film festival and that was Oh my god, I was so nervous. So, so nervous. Like, my hands were sweating the whole time. And uh, it was get, it was nervous because it was a full house. Wow. They even added a new show 
like a like another screening for other people to see it. Oh wow! I guess it was because they knew it was a film from Hudson, and so everyone in Hudson knew about it. And also, we have a lot of friends and family, and it was just like like oh my god, it's like the theater's packed, and it went super well. People reacted really well to it, and uh, everyone was so enthusiastic and. Uh, we ended up winning the audience favorite award for that film in the, the festival and and then we've had some uh, some good success like uh, outside of uh, Canada we uh, we got uh, I got the best uh, first time director for a feature film award at the Los Angeles Film Awards um, the actor got best actor like it was just uh, such a great opportunity for everyone like I'm super proud of everyone. Go on places. Like yeah. super. Congratulations, buddy. This is such an accomplishment. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was that was something I always had in, in my head. Like see I shot that when I was twenty five and I knew I think Scorsese shot his first feature around twenty five, twenty six. So growing up like as a huge uh Scorsese fan and like I always had that in the back of my mind like like I want to aim for that, like shooting a feature. Like, like if he could do age. it, you could do it. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, your ma- your mean streets, basically. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Or my uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. That was his first <laughs> film, uh, Scorsese. Uh, actually, no, it was uh, Who's That Knocking on My Front Door? I think that's the name. Mm. That was his first feature. But uh, but yeah, and then I went to uh, then after that uh, started uh, developing a lot of other projects. I went to. To, to can again not to, to screen a, a film but to just uh, network with a producer friend a good friend of mine um so you just hop on a plane you're like i'm gonna go to cans because <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we we were working on a, a feature script uh my friend and i Juan gray and um we had planned uh, you know we, we worked so hard on this like let's let's just go to can and and pitch it to people and see like uh, get get some traction on it and uh it went well like like the project is still like in in development um haven't worked on it for for a little bit uh just things uh you know things go off track and then back on track and and everything but but it was a great experience met a lot of cool people met some uh, amazing like celebrities that just like blew me away who did you meet the the first time i went to ken I met uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, excuse me. And, but that was <laughs> that was just that's a uh, pretty big one already. <laughs> but the 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 funny thing, the crazy thing about Ken is that I didn't know he was gonna be there. Like I went there to network and to, and then when you get there, it's like you look at the schedule and it's like, oh my god, like Clint Eastwood is having this this Q and A thing. I'm gonna go and get in line. Um, so I got in line, I, I went in, we ended up being uh, second row. And like when, when it was in a very small room, it was very intimate, uh, maybe like 50, 75 people and uh, a lot of security. But when he finished, I completely ran to the stage. I was just like, I don't know what possessed me, but like, like, I've, <laughs> like I just hopped the stage so I could take a photo <laughs> with him with all these security guards around him. And uh, I asked him, uh, Clint, uh, can I can I take a photo, please? Like I'm a big filmmaker, like a, not a big filmmaker, big fan. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. You inspire me so much. And he he just told me, all right, make it quick. 
I can just picture and that they, with his voice too, like yeah, gruff, yeah, no, right. gravelly. I almost, quick. Right, make it quick. <laughs> I almost fell down. And you have to wear a tuxedo uh, at cans too, right? So there you are, all rushing up, and you're in like a nice, like formal suit and tie. Well, uh, like during uh, during the day, um, you could pretty much wear whatever you want. Just obviously, everyone's gonna look presentable. You could wear like a blazer, no tie. Um, but it's at the, the red carpet screenings that so you have to have a tuxedo. They won't let you on the red carpet if you don't have a tuxedo. Nice. And, and, a, and a bow tie. So you can't even wear like a tie. You have to wear a bow tie. I think, I think it's, I, I'm pretty sure you can wear a tie, but I know that one of a friend that I had met over there, uh, they, they, they declined him because he didn't have a bow tie on. Wow. They, they, they didn't let him on. And then he was like, please, please, like, 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 come on. Like, and this kid is like a couple of years younger than me at the time. And he was like a little kid, like, come on, like, like, let me in. So eventually they found like a bow tie or something and they let him in. Or no, no, no. I think they let him in, but they lit, they didn't let him walk the red carpet. Okay. Wow. Talk about like formal. (laughs) Oh, no, no. It's insane over there. Only bow ties. (laughs) No ties included. (laughs) The second time that I, the second time that I went there. Uh, with my uh, my buddy there, he uh, we, we we walked to red carpet and uh, we we knew a photographer to ask to like take photos of us while we we're walking down whatever, but uh, we we couldn't see the photographer that we knew like where is this guy? He ended up get, you know, like, taking a photo of us and everything, but uh, so we're like let's just take a selfie me and you. So we take a selfie, but the security guard put his face put his his palm on my phone. So the photo is literally like, I don't know, like, uh, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but it was like literally like this, like face palm, mm-hmm. like a hand palm right here with us two, like being blocked by his hand. That was our photo. Dude, I would print <laughs> that photo and like frame it. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you guys after. It's so funny. So, I always send it to him every, every once in a while. I'm so like, that security guard this? was on point. Like he has to be looking around oh. everywhere and all of a sudden he sees you taking a selfie which apparently is, yeah. I guess, a no-no. You're not allowed to take a selfie on the red carpet? No. no. I, not for us, folks. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, just, I, guess, uh, yeah. I guess it's just to, like, the first time, like, we were able to take photos, but I guess they just want things to, like, to to go smoothly and speed up. And uh, it was just a crazy, uh, crazy experience. The second time I, I met, uh, I had, uh, I met uh, Denis Villeneuve, Yes. Um, All right. Which was, the second, doing, which is the second time you've technically met him. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, true. Because we went to the screening of Sicario, and he was over there as well. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there were they were they had like I think there was an opening ceremony for the the festival, and everyone was there. So uh, I found my way in the back of that pavilion. I don't know how. But I just found my way in the back and I saw a red carpet kind of like lining up towards this after party tent where all the stars would go there. So I'm waiting and uh, the event's over and you see like a crowd of people walking. And then I see like uh, I see um, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, like just walking down. I see Javier Bardem like like marching down like crazy like like I don't know what he was on, but he was like completely like out of his mind <laughs> um uh what's uh, that uh, girl from twilight um Kristen Kristen Stewart. Stewart. 
Kristen Stewart. Who's starring in she, she, Spencer. She walked by. And then who do I see coming down? Denis Villeneuve. I think it was with his uh, wife. And uh, I freaking, I was like, oh my God, Denis Villeneuve. Like, uh, I, I, I called out, I called him out. Denis Villeneuve, uh, like, uh, can I take a photo with you? Like, and everything. And, and his wife, like, like kind of pushed me aside. Like, no, no, like no time, no time. But then I said, Denis Villeneuve, I'm, I'm from Montreal. I'm a filmmaker from Montreal. And then he just turned. He's like, oh, really? From Montreal? Hey, nice to meet you. He comes towards me completely abandoning his wife. And we take a <laughs> really nice photo. <laughs> Montreal. Hey, Montreal. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and I was, I was just like, oh, this guy's so, like, humble. So, like, down to earth. Like, I, uh, there, uh, were you there when uh, he did... Um, uh, a Q and A thing at Concordia. No, I wasn't there. I for was. That long. I was. It was. He you was were there? talking about. I was there. Uh, he was talking about Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but like his previous work as well. But yes, I was in the room for this. Uh, it was nice. Maybe what three, four years ago, maybe. But because yes, yeah, it was around, around that. 2017, I think. No, he had just no, done after, Arrival. It was. Ju- uh, there was one after though that he finished. He did right after Blade Runner. I think. He, oh he yes, one. yes, yes. He did another one. Yeah, because yeah. I missed I was, both I of them. I was in this one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, and, uh, really good human being, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Really kind, really humble, really open-minded. He's a good guy. Yeah, for sure. He's really, he's really easy to approach. Like when he was there after, like he he stayed around for a bit, and I went and I asked him some some questions about like the industry, like like I even gave him my, my, my card my business card just to say I gave him my business card and you know what like he actually stood with me for like two minutes and uh, like he actually like gave me like a lot of advice I was like oh my god like yeah, first hand like, information from a pro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty and cool and uh, another another guy that uh, that I saw on the program I saw that they were doing a 45th anniversary screening of Mean Streets mm. with Scorsese in attendance. <laughs> I, that, when I saw that, I'm like, hey, I'm booking that day. I'm going to wait in line for like as much time as I need. And uh, my friend and I, we ended up sitting like second row smack, like center facing our like our God, like, you know, like Scorsese, you know, like <laughs> this guy's like. When I saw him walk into the room, like I was, Money. I, was I was floored. <laughs> well, then when when he finished his Q and A and he left the stage, I had that Clint Eastwood impulse impulsive thing on to the just stage. <laughs> to just storm the stage. But the, the thing is, that this was like a bigger auditorium, so the stage was a bit higher. And I, like, I ran a few people over and I like climbed uh, a few seats to get to like close to the stage to like. I don't know what possessed it me. Sounds like the uh, acceptance <laughs> speech for the guy who won Best Actor for La Dolce Vita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like crawling exactly. over the, the theater seats. Uh, but everyone was like that, though. It wasn't like obviously it wasn't just me. Like everyone had that, like because you're so close to him, you it's like oh my god, like so yeah. that that was that was amazing. And then John Travolta, like John Travolta was cool. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter. I heard of it, yeah, but uh, by that's name, as much as my, yeah. by name, but that that's it. Nothing else. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it was uh, 
just uh it was uh his first like it was his breakthrough into like uh stardom like he he played this uh character called the uh, vinnie barbarino and it was like a cute like comedy tv show sitcom and um and that's like one of my favorite shows um i would watch it growing up and everything when i saw him walking down with all the security guard i called him vinnie barbarino like like i called him by his tv show name and he came to me and uh, he was just like i think he was floored by like me like addressing him by like such like a a big part like a big like character that he played yeah and it was just like yeah ken is just like a it's amazing it's nice when you meet celebrities and when everyone else goes for one particular thing and you come in and you bring the last thing they expect and you end up having a rapport as a result and that's always quite nice in my opinion uh fred have you ever met any movie stars since we've been talking about movie stars all right so in answer to your question i would say that the um i've met some quebec personalities and celebrities like here in this uh in canada uh and the time that i was producing stuff and i was uh, reviewing for other blogs but i would say like in terms of hollywood stars um the closest i've been to one i would say was in la 2015 just like a leisure uh, leisure trip uh, I saw John Favreau not so far <laughs> from me because he was shooting something out in Venice Beach and he came really, really close. Like, I, I could almost, like, touch him, but I, I didn't, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say that's the, it's probably the closest a good thing. I've been to an actually movie star. It was, uh, yeah, it was um, nice. John Favreau. John. I love John Favreau. Oh, yeah, good Mandalorian. Guy. Mandalorian genius. Nah. Yeah. Uh, Elf. Uh, Elf, one of my favorite Christmas movies. I just watched it the other day. I haven't started my Christmas. Oh, he was the director yet. on Elf. He that's was. true. Yeah. That's even before he was mainstream. Yeah, 2003. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to. Wow. I don't want to gloat or anything, but I've met my fair share of celebrities as well. I've probably met 10 to 20 in the neighborhood of. Uh, many of them are just like in passing. Uh, I used to work in the garages at the Formula One, as most of you guys know. So oh, there'd yeah. be a, a lot of celebrity personalities who were in that area. Like, I remember I was coming out of the control tower once and, like, Rihanna and Drake walked by me. Uh, so I'll, I'll mention three quickly just in terms of coolness. Uh, so this one was at the F1. Uh, I can't remember which year it was, but it was raining and the race was held up. And so a lot of people were getting impatient. They're like, oh, we got to go. The race isn't canceled, but it's just postponed. So I'm there, and all of a sudden I see, like, this, like, mob of people coming. Like, cameras are flashing. And I'm like, well, who can that be? And lo and fucking behold, it's George Lucas walking oh, yeah, by I remember. George Lucas. <laughs> and I remember he, you he, messaged me right after. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not stopping for anybody, right? It's, he, he's no. going. <laughs> and not stopping for autographs, not, not stopping for pictures. So I'm like, well, this, this is George Lucas. Like, I, I can't let this opportunity go by. So I just go like, George. And I put my, like, hands together and I give, like, a little bow and, like, like, you are the deity, like letting him know. And he actually like pauses, looks at me, and he puts his hands together and he gives a little like bow to me oh, as that's well. Awesome. And he just goes over wow. to his face, and I'm like, Oh Hey, he returned your namaste. Yeah, he re- he returned you, my bro. little like blessing and I was like, Oh You were blessed. I was blessed by George Lucas essentially. So that was really cool because he's a very private individual. He doesn't interact with too many people. So that yeah, was he really acknowledged cool. you. He acknowledged me. I was super happy with that. Uh, 
I was like on a, a euphoric high. Uh, I met Jason Momoa as well. Uh, a lot of people oh, nice. were talking to him about Game of Thrones, of course. Uh, this was was like, it at F one or the the Comic Con? This is a Comic Con, so I met Momoa there, and most people were there talking about Game of Thrones. This is before Aquaman. This is probably twenty twelve, I think. You and me were at the same uh, Comic Con, actually. That's yeah, when yeah. you met uh, Sean Astin. Yeah, yeah. So I went to go meet Jason Momoa, and everyone there, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, and I was there like, like, hey man, like I saw your directorial footage that you put online, like on YouTube, like your your B roll essentially for your directorial debut. So everyone's coming and going like within thirty seconds. Me and Jason Momoa have this five minute conversation about directing and what it was like working behind the camera. And how he wants to be screening his movies and the values he was like instilling on set and the audience experience that he hopes his works uh, translates to. And the cue is literally signing other people's autographs and talking to me about directing. And I was like, nice. I feel like such a tool for holding up other people's opportunities. But I was like, yeah, me and Jason Momoa are actually having like a credible conversation about the filmmaking experience, and I thought that was pretty neat. That's yeah, so that's sick. a proof that we're we're not normal peasants. Yeah. actually, we know our stuff. We know our stuff, and we can go beyond just the the regular. Yeah, thing so that, it was a, it was a very rewarding conversation. I thought it was only a couple of minutes, but I, I, it's one of those things. I'm like, wow, I remember. And then the third thing, Michael yeah, Michael Fassbender asked me, "Where can I buy weed yeah, in Montreal?" Yeah, I do remember. <laughs> yeah. Those are things you remember forever. Yeah, it's just like he comes up and he's like, I was like, hey, hey, Michael Fassbender. And he was like having a conversation. And he was like, oh, like someone actually recognizes me or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, hi, Michael Fassbender. He's like, hi, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, like, doing great. Like, I really appreciate your work. Like, uh, I think you're a great actor. He's like, like, thanks, man. All this with an Irish accent, of course. And then we're just like talking, like, I hope you enjoy the race. And he goes, by the way, mate, do you know where I can score some weed? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Fassbender has that. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So th- those, those are some experiences. I, I met a few other people. I met uh, Anson Mount, for example, as well. Um, I bumped into Nicholas Holt. That was actually a little awkward. He's a, a bit of an awkward individual. Um, I think those are some of the ones. That, I bumped into Pierce Brosnan once downtown. Oh, you lucky bastard! <laughs> I, I want that. That's something I actually want for myself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think it was like ten or something, and we were downtown. Jesus we with my family, yeah. and we was over at the Ben and Jerry's right near uh, Crescent Street and the Maisonneuve, and it was at right at the Ben and Jerry's. And he gets out of the car and he goes into the Ben and Jerry's, like right, like in front of us. My dad goes, like, do you know who what? that is? He was in Montreal for which occasion? Uh, I'm not and even that was sure. like what ten years ago? Oh, this like I was like ten. Like I was still in elementary oh, okay, school. No, so it's 20, and 20. so my dad goes, like, do you know who that was? And I'm like, no. And he's like, that's James Bond. And I'm like looking I'm like, oh my god, that's James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Jesus yeah. Christ. Wow. So he was in Montreal. Wow. Yeah. I'm just curious for which which occasion. Uh, maybe he was just here leisurely. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but yeah, since we're t- <laughs> the guys living in Hawaii, like and like, oh, he's coming in Montreal yeah, for a leisure. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But yeah, we were talking about like celebrities and everything, and just meeting celebrities, actors specifically, and the positive experiences we've had. But it's not always about the meat; it's about the influence. No. So the yeah. the second part of this uh, particular episode, 
since we have Alberto Hero, he's already alluded to the fact he's a big fan of Martin Scorsese and Martin Scorsese's filmography. Oh, yes. So we're, we want to be talking, have a conversation with someone who greatly respects Martin Scorsese's work and sort of talk about his filmography, his influences, how he's influenced Alberto, and how we appreciate Martin Scorsese's work because there's no doubt of Martin Scorsese. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, we could talk about the the climate of film and where Martin Scorsese fits into the climate of film circa on the cusp of 2022, uh, his legacy and everything about that. So without further ado, part two of this conversation. So Alberto, what was the first movie you saw from Martin Scorsese that consciously made you go, like, holy shit, this filmmaker? Um, you know what? I think it was, the first film I saw from him was Taxi Driver, and it was in Clea's class. I was in that class with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, um, I mean, who knows? I might have seen, like, uh, like, some of his popular stuff before that. That's the first one that made, maybe. like, an impression. But that was the first one. It's like, I sat down, watched it on a big screen, surround sound, Taxi Driver, and... I was just like I was floored by like just how how raw, edgy, authentic yeah, it was. Grimy is the word that comes to mind for me for exactly. Taxi Driver. Like, the mm. opening, the opening sequence, like the music, the, the the steam coming out of the 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 ground in, in New York City, like the grunginess, like I think Taxi just, Driver encompasses the idea of the big rotten apple. Yeah. Yeah. Like a yeah, time yeah. and a place in New York City at the seventies. Garbage, oh. steam, graffiti. It was it's just uh you know, the his his use of uh of uh color in there, like with the red, like in the opening sequence and like it's just uh like it was one of the the first films like it was his the first film that I saw of his where I was like, Okay, I gotta like I gotta watch his other stuff now. And then and that's when I, from there, like, what happened? From there, like, I like I just developed, like, like I started making all my films look like a Scorsese <laughs> film. <laughs> like, I was just, like, so, like, because he has such, like, a, a unique uh, aesthetic and the way he moves the camera, the way he edits, like, all, like, his jump cuts, his, the, the energy of his edits, like, I just took all that and I started making movies like that <laughs> like it's interesting was... how scorsese movies because particular action movies they're criticized for being overcut and scorsese definitely has a lot of cuts in his movies but i wouldn't say his movies are overcut despite the fact that no. he's got a ridiculous no. amount of cutting in his movies exactly yeah. it's uh his i just I, like his editing is just like well him with the thelma schoonmaker there it's just like savage editing like especially in Shutter Island, like the, the editing in there is like so jarring, but for purpose. I remember like, watching Shutter Island for the first time, as I was in film studies class, and the first thing that my pretentious film snobby mind went get, went, oh, it's breaking the the was it the 1080 rule? Breaking, and breaking, uh, yeah, yeah. It says breaking the 1080 rule, or uh, we're not respecting shot reverse shot. <laughs> yeah. Like no, why would he? Why would he break that rule? 
like without knowing that he's breaking that rule. And he like, realized it was obviously, and an, an, it was an important moment in the film where like things were were turning, things were getting a little fucked up. You know, you, uh, Clay was explaining that. Like, uh, remember she showed a scene of that film? Yeah, the one with Ben Kingsley and yeah. Leo's character, and they're yeah. in the office, and he's yeah. bouncing around the shoulder. So he's on yeah. one hand, he's on one shoulder, and the other shot, he's in a different shoulder. And normally that would exactly. be construed as a cinematic error, because it's not respecting a continuity. But it's like it's showing like the, how fractured the mind is where you can't per se take anything you see to be the truth because the mind is uh, fractured essentially and what we're seeing is exactly. fractured imaging exactly and, and you see that throughout the film not only in that scene that like he's he's breaking the rule there but like there's a lot of jump cuts in the action where things are not continuous like uh he just he he it's all the cuts in that film are mostly like very jarring it's also and, uh, things missing between shots like the glass of water. Yeah, yeah, the glass of water. That was I was exactly thinking yeah. of this. I'm and then you're like, watching yeah, and you're like, that shot. wait, what happened? And you're left questioning it because the, the movie never explains it. Exactly. I, I feel like obviously he does have some leeway with that. Like he's allowed to make mistakes like that. Not mistakes, but he's allowed he's to explore to that. To break the rules. Which makes he's allowed to break the rules. And you know what? He found a good reason to. Uh, and... Uh, but one thing I we like I learned in my film uh, film uh, making class at the Concordia with uh, Rick Hancock's, um, he like he, he put like a list of priorities like when you're editing, and like continuity was the last in in the priority list. And how He's come like, you should? It's just because like don't let like the fact don't let the fact that like uh, oh there's a the glass is like half full on one take and the glass is like three quarters full on the next take affect the editing of what you're actually trying to do which is like telling a story like no if the story's amazing you don't give a shit if that glass is like a bit turned to the left and turned to the right like you know what i mean yeah. like uh interesting like if the, there's so many continuity er- errors in film but you don't notice them because you're not looking yeah. you're not looking for those you're just trying to immerse yourself in the story you don't notice until someone like cinema sins or screen rant points them out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly so so that was uh that was like really that was another film that was very impactful for me because shutter island was around that time i started to get into scorsese and uh so when that film came out i saw it opening night and i was like obviously the only one in there because no one cared about it but (laughs) (laughs) but like uh i I was like so immersed and then clea notar brought up she was a huge scorsese fan and i loved her for it and um she just uh she brought up very randomly i'm not sure what we were talking about but she called uh the king of comedy she called it uh, her favorite de niro performance in uh so really yeah huh. so when i heard that i was like i gotta watch this film I, I like i gotta watch it so i watched it and this is after i had seen raging bull goodfellas uh casino uh cape fear like all all his like you know known stuff and then i got into his 80s stuff with the king of comedy wow that is my favorite scorsese film oh uh, really yeah. really king yeah. of comedy is your favorite yeah. scorsese I, film. i gotta say it like i think raging bull is, is like his best 
uh, Goodfellas. Like I just watched it the other night, and it's like still fucking fucking amazing. It's like at its top. I like I it's think... hard to say between Raging Bull and Goodfellas, but when you say like, what's your favorite? What's the one that you've watched the most? What's the one that I could just put on any time of the day, whatever? King of Comedy. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Fred, what about you? It's under, underrated cho- uh, choice for sure. Yeah. What about me? Yeah, yeah. What about you? Oh, what would you put oh, as like yeah, your I'm... go-to Scorsese movie? Like if you had every Scorsese it's... movie on Blu-ray, what would be your knee-jerk reaction to put it's... on? It's funny because if I would say like a go-to Scorsese, it wouldn't be my favorite Scorsese. Oh, okay. Like if if because like you, I think that the movie that started like my my ad- admiration for the guy was The Departed yeah. because I was maybe yeah. the right age. I was like what 20 2006, so it was like third year of high school perhaps. Um, and that movie was like freaking amazing. I think it's still maybe in my top three, top five out of his movies. I really loved The Departed. So for a while, I think this this was my favorite movie of his. Um, but if I had to take like a, the expression you use is like, oh yeah, like a, not a must-see, but like, a, a, I don't know, like like an, a, um, a movie to really understand and admire his work, I would say I would pick a movie like Casino, I would guess. I think I prefer Casino to God, Goodfellas, yeah, to be honest. Maybe oh, I'm, wow. it's an interesting, it's an interesting opinion, but I, uh, having watched, uh, watched it too, I think I prefer Casino. Um, I prefer the duality between the the characters like of Joe Pesci and De Niro in this. I love the ambiance. I love the the setting of Vegas. It it really it's really suitable. But my favorite of Scorsese, and again, I mean it's. I think it depends on which mood I am. But every time I revisit this film, I'm I'm always blown away by the ambiance, like the sheer horrific thrills it gives me. But Cape Fear, man, Cape nice. Fear is my favorite. Cool. Yeah. Sick Cape choice. Fear, cool it's a cho- sick choice for cool sure. Choice. I mean, cool I would choice. never recommend this movie as like, okay, you want to get into Corsese? This is the first film you you see. No, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure not because it's 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 a horror. F- it's a it, for me. I mean, this is like borderline horror film. Uh, Cape Fear. Yeah, it's definitely but unsettling. The perf- yeah, yeah, unsettling yeah. is hell. I think out of like De Niro's performance in this one is, I wouldn't even say like. Uh, troubling it's scary like Mm -hmm. it's it gives me it chills every time the weird relationship he has with uh juliet lewis character which is which is like 17 in this film and he's like pushing 50 uh but it still works on screen uh no it's this movie's brutal and i like it for all the wrong reasons (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 uh, for me i think like i don't know why because nobody really thinks of cape fear when they think of scorsese but this is maybe one of his films that really marked me and i i like it for it uh, for i i like it for for this it's yeah cape fear is my favorite i would would assume my choice the score is amazing too yeah 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 definitely for me, I quite like Scorsese's examination of violent men, specifically. So, for me, it depends on how I'm in the mood or what mood I'm in for. But it would be a it, could, it would be a mix between Goodfellas, Departed, or Mean Streets. Those would be like my three favorite. And I like how Scorsese he wanted to go into the priesthood initially, so he yeah. he was wow. going to be this. <laughs> Uh, spiritual individual very at peace and a lot of his movies have to deal with violence 
And it's never about the glorification of violence. It's sort of about just here are these violent individuals and they're always men. Yeah. And I just find well, when, that... he, when he when he grew up, like he was around that scene. Exactly. Like, his, uh, I think his uncle, like from reading his book, like his uncle was not like around these guys, you know. Yeah. So I... so he he would he would see that, you know, and you can tell that his his depictions of that in his films are authentic and real. It feels very raw and close to home, especially yeah. when you're watching. I would say probably the first. 20 minutes of goodfellas when he when henry's still a kid it feels more like not like a found footage but it feels like a time capsule because when you grow up and it's ray liotta it feels a bit more like a traditional movie but when it's specifically with younger henry hill it feels like this very romanticized idealized version of how a kid would view the mafioso type and it yeah. doesn't help that you have that Tony Bennett song just cranking in the background. <laughs> as far back as I can remember, I always wanted I always to be wanted gangster. To be gangster. <laughs> yeah. Gangster, yeah. Uh, I also really like The Departed. Dun, it's dun, a dun, very... Dun, 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 dun. Departed is a remake of Infernal Affairs, which is a Chinese Hong Kong uh, investigation movie. Almost a similar plot. And I like th- how traditional the departed is and how Mm. untraditional the departed is because you're taking what could have been a very normal story and it's just like scorsesifying it like scorsese's use of music like just running through the departed soundtrack and it just bounces dropkick murphy's van morrison (laughs) like it just bounces around and rolling stones and music plays an integral role like the first what three minutes is just Rolling Stones Gimme Shelter. I don't think they yeah. cut the song at all. It it could but, almost uh, be a music video of just I always say I always say that the the departed is like Scorsese's greatest hits. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's yeah. true yeah. though, yeah. Every, every a lot of Pink Scorsese. Floyd, yeah. a lot of Rolling Stones, yeah. yeah. And it's again yeah. about violence at the end of the day. It's about two individuals even violent worlds. One is afraid of violence but is working for a violent individual and one is working for a law enforcement who is more violent who is trying to stop this individual and i find that duality very interesting and in how yeah. violence is uh, viewed by people on the same and opposite sides of a spectrum essentially that movie was jack nicholson's swan song if i'm not mistaken because he didn't do that many films after the departed he did maybe what two or three but that was nothing major nothing major and jack nicholson did not get an oscar nomination which means (laughs) and he should have well it's interesting (laughs) because usually when jack nicholson gets nominated for best actor the director never won and then when jack nicholson (laughs) didn't get nominated Scorsese won Best Actor for The Departed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that, that was his first, was right? Beast in that film. Yeah. Scors- yeah Scorsese. Uh, that was his first. Uh, yeah. Win. After yeah, everything win. that he had done. That was that, w- that was mm. for sure uh, a legacy win. Yeah, it's kind of like Leo like, getting yeah. uh, the Revenant. Because yeah, I don't think, that. in terms of directorial style, I don't think that The Departed is Martin Scorsese's best. No, it's like like you, like it's his best of. Like it's a, yeah, it's a great Scorsese. Like film, if I were to give best director it, to Scorsese, I would either give it to 
probably Cape Fear or Goodfellas. Cape Fear? A, oh, thank you, to, man. Uh, I'm honored. <laughs> uh, I would give it to uh, Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bull as well, too. Raging yeah. Bull was just, uh, like, he got nominated for that. He got nominated for Taxi Driver. Um, I'm not sure, like, I can't remember who was. Wasn't it The, the Godfather that was uh, nominated around that time? Um, Taxi Driver? Uh, Godfather 2. Godfather 2 was 72. Godfather Part 2 was 74. And then Godfather 3 is 1990, I think, yeah. And then Dog Day so, Afternoon yeah. was smack in the middle of those two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I, I feel like Raging Bull, like, he should have got it. But at the end of the day, who cares, like... We still have all these great movies to look back on. Yeah. Did you yeah. like The Irishman? I loved it. All four <laughs> hours of it? <laughs> yeah. I even saw yeah. it in the theater. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. That yeah. must have been a long experience. Oh, my God. I had sitting to... in, the, in these benches, man. <laughs> I had to watch it last, on Netflix in, last, in two uh, halves. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I, I split the, it The last off. 15 minutes, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. Oh, for but sure. But I was like, let me hold on. Let me hold on. And... I, like I, I had to run out. I just I, I in my head I'm like fuck it. Like I can't hold it any any longer. I'll just watch what I missed on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, I ran so fast. <laughs> I liked the Irishman back. quite a bit. I did find that the de aging was distracting, especially yeah, De Niro's eyes. I think that actually detracted a little bit from the movie, especially when you see. For me personally. Yeah, I understand. For me personally, I, it didn't bother me. Um, I was just just so swept up in it, and uh, like if you really like look at it, like for sure, like like it, it wasn't like the 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 strongest part of the film. Yeah, but that's but, uh, the only real hard negative thing I can say against it. And at the end of the day, like I can still watch the movie and not be like, ah, oh, I can never watch this movie because of the. Yeah. the way the faces look but then it's well, it's interesting what, what, how there are people on youtube who can do like deep fake technology and they can make th- scenes from the irishman and i've seen this on youtube you can go look it up but they look better and these are just like some random guy on youtube oh, wow. yeah the same thing <laughs> is happening with a uh, mandalorian with the uh, luke skywalker mm-hmm. deep fake at the end some guy deep faked it on youtube lucasfilm saw it they hired him Wow. Yeah. yeah. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, he did such a good job, and he did it the, for Rogue One as well. He did Tarkin, yeah. and, and he, he did the he nailed it. He did it in like yeah. two days or something like that. Like it was barely any work, and he's like, uh, "Why can't Lucasfilm, with all their money, do a proper de aging?" So he did it on YouTube, and he was like, he got hired, and I can almost guarantee, because he was hired by Lucasfilm, we'll probably have de aging in the Kenobi show. Where Kenobi, uh, Ewan McGregor, and Hayden Christensen will probably be de-aged for a prequel era. But they shouldn't be. I mean, they're not that old. I mean, Hayden Christensen still looks like a kid. I mean, <laughs> he can still play Anakin Skywalker without any prosthetics on. He can still like be believable, I guess. And same thing for Ewan McGregor. But I, I know this is a like totally different subject. But uh, going back to the Irishman. Um, mm-hmm. For myself, I would say like 50% of this movie I liked, 50% I found too long and a little boring. I like the second part of it, um, but yeah, I do agree that the de-aging on De Niro and Pacino like the, in the first half was like uh, distracting. It wasn't, what, what, it wasn't did, uh, what did distract me though was uh, when uh, 
you know, De Niro went into the shop to go uh, beat up on the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he was the way the way he was, way moving. He was moving. Yeah. It yeah. didn't. It didn't look like uh, like the way he would move at that age. Because obviously, it's De Niro at this age moving like that. But in reality, tell, he's he's he what should, in his eighties, uh, late seventies. Uh, he's in his mid seventies, I think. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so he's. He has the so body of the mid seventies, but he's playing somebody who's in their what mid forties. Exactly. Yeah. So, like the way he was moving, it didn't fit that. Yeah, that age. it didn't translate. That 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 kind of because it's like right there, you know, like you just feel it. That was uh, that was those were moments that kind of like felt a bit off. But in terms of the length, like I didn't mind it. Obviously, like I have a bit of Scorsese bias in there. Because anything Scorsese, like I'll watch. He's got a for, his, for his upcoming movie is going to be on Apple. Yeah, so expect that to be another four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which one? Which one is it? It's a which one is it? Is Killer of the Flower Moon. Yeah, with uh, DiCaprio, with, uh, Leo, yeah, right, and yeah, uh, Jesse Plemons, and uh, nice. Brendan Fraser is also going to be in it. It's a true crime story. So there's a book based on this. Uh, the author of the book is the same guy who did The Lost City of Z, which is a really good movie. You should totally check mm-hmm. it out. And this movie is about the early days of the FBI investigating a series of murders uh, in Oklahoma on, on or near the reservation. And it just so happened that there's oil on there and all these people are going missing. So it sounds like a very, even though it's an old story, it sounds like a very timely and relevant tale. So it's a true yeah, crime it's, it's, investigative story. I can't wait. And uh, then you got the next one with uh, Jonah Hill mm-hmm. on uh, the Grateful, Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead. I saw that, what was it, a week or two ago when that news came out. Yeah. And the first thing I thought was, Jonah Hill? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I th- Boy, a lot of success in Wolf of Wall Street. A lot of success. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't, didn't see him as uh, Garcia. <laughs> it was not the first name that came to mind. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely definitely like uh, it was surprising. Yeah, I think he's like, gonna have to do some uh, some chameleon. He's gonna have to go all either gain some weight or lose some weight. Probably because, do like, some prosthetics. I was also surprised because there's so many things that Scorsese was in development for. Like I don't know, like I heard these things for like a Tyson movie. Um, I heard these things for like. Uh, a sequel for something. Uh, He's also King interested. Con- I think I think there was some talks for a King of, Co- a King of Comedy sequel. Um, there's so many things that he was in development. It's like none, none of these are a Frank Sinatra. That'd be really uh, cool. Film. I would love to see a Frank. That Sinatra would be movie. an awesome idea. Yeah, that'd like be amazing. Frank Sinatra movie. That would be great. I'm curious to see who they would cast to play Frank, Frank Sinatra. I think you'd have to find another few ideas. I think you'd have to find a total newcomer. But there's all these things going around his uh, his circle of like things that he could be working on. Then all of a sudden, Grateful Dead document, uh, Grateful Dead biopic. Yeah, not even like a documentary because he likes to do music docs. Yeah, this is going to be yeah. a uh, a biopic. Yeah, yeah. So didn't see that coming, and I'm like, oh, Grateful Dead. I'm not a huge Grateful Dead fan, but I'm a big Scorsese fan. I'd be curious to see his portrayal of the 1960s through that very trippy lens 
and yeah, how he's, and... he's definitely gonna have a lot of fun with that camera yeah no I, that's what i'm very or interested maybe in. maybe not maybe not like it could go both ways he could he could blend a bit of that scorsese but that scorsese dynamic uh, camera but at the same time i'm not a huge grateful dead fan but like i know their music is very soft and mellow i guess like not mellow but folk Mm -hmm. Mm. so maybe he's gonna go for that minimalist scorsese like silence i hope not though i hope that the camera is very kinetic and i hope that there's like a constant stream of music like in the background then that like maybe a song will be bridging multiple scenes together like you're in one scene and then you're in another scene and all of a sudden you're in a third scene all in like 90 seconds but the song is still playing in the background. You know, no, knowing that it's Apple, like it's from Apple, I'm sure like they want something that's like, you know, entertaining. Like I'm sure they don't want something like Silence. Apple wants to like. start getting awards, I think. Silence. I do remember he did direct he did Silence, direct Silence. With, uh, Andrew Garfield yeah. and uh, Adam Driver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting think? film. Interesting. <laughs> Not one people oh, talk about. No, 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 no. Yeah. When I walked uh, out of when I walked out of that theater, I felt like I got like I don't know. I was so like uh, had like a big heavy weight on me. Like it was like oh my god, like that was like a, an experience, man. But have you seen it like, since? Yeah. I've well, I've seen it. I saw it in theaters three times. Wow. And then okay. uh, when it came out, I I would play it quite a bit, like in yeah. the background, and I just loved the imagery and. See, silence is not one I feel the need to go back to. No, me neither. Yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's... It's not accessible. I'll reuse the term. It's not accessible. It's heavy. But the way it's paced, it's... I don't want to say it's long it's and contemplative and slow, but you're just like... Oh, it's just... I don't know. It's 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 not... Yeah, it's yeah. not accessible. It feels like it's a burden easy a watch. little bit. Yeah. Which I guess is sort of the point, considering the subject matter, that it should feel like a burden. It was very heavy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a heavy that, film. That's exactly what what he did. Yeah, because when you're watching it, you're like, I feel like I have this weight on me now. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly how you felt. I know I either like it for it or not like it for it. Yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. most but, but people did yeah. didn't. I don't think anyone hates this movie who likes Scorsese's filmography. But I feel like there's no one who is really like, oh, yeah, silence. Like, no one's got oh, silence yeah, posters know. on the wall, like, <laughs> as if they have, like, Goodfellas posters on their wall. Like, like, yeah. don't, get me, don't get me wrong. Like, I haven't seen that film ever since it came out. Like, when I saw it three times in theaters, and then after when it came out on, on Blu-ray a few months later, I watched it from there. Then after that, it's like, I haven't really seen it. But, like, I was in that, like, silence phase, like, this is great. Like I love it, but it's not like like you said, I won't go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like any day, it's good. like I'll go back and I'll watch Goodfellas. I'll go back and watch King of Comedy. Yeah, like I've only seen The Irishman right. once so far. I'll probably watch it again, but like Goodfellas, I can put that on whenever. Goodfellas, oh, yeah. I can just keep coming yeah. back to that. It's like always. There's there's so much reward with watching Goodfellas over and over again. Yeah. Whereas like the another, I, another another one I could watch over and over is a uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I remember saying that, but with for you. different <laughs> reasons because I think that it's not Wolf of Wall Street is a 
fun film, but I wouldn't call it like an amazing and like a masterpiece out of uh, Scorsese. I was I would say it's 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 fun. It's a fun ride. You it's know what a I funny would say? Film. It's really it's cool. It's not Scorsese's not a masterpiece. best yeah. movie, but it's Leo's best movie. Out yeah. of everything he did, it's for it's him? up there yeah. for sure. In my opinion, I think that movie it's was tailored for him to win an Oscar, and he didn't. And he, and didn't. he didn't win it. But I think. They, they don't give Oscars to cool, uh, cool, cool characters in the rules. <laughs> Not for that yeah. one, apparently. But yeah, like <laughs> I think that movie was tailor made for him to win an Oscar. I think he's in what every single scene. It's a three-hour movie. He's got two monologues, and Leo's just going ballistic in that movie. Like and that yeah. the, the scene where he's on uh, that. Uh, oh, the the, the, way the Quaalude scene. Yeah, the Quaalude scene has to make his way down to the Lambo. <laughs> yeah, and he's just crawling <laughs> on the stairs. He's opening, like, the door it's with his so foot. Yeah, I was like, cry ah. laughing watching that. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Think of Skylar. She can do this, too. Crawl like Skylar. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boys, it's been more than an hour. It's been uh, an hour and ten minutes, I think. Oh, wow, so already. I think we can wrap this up with this question for you both, and I'll answer it as well, but... Give like a top three movies for Scorsese and three movies that you think it's maybe like his lesser films out of his filmography. And uh, yeah, we can end on this note, like what we recommend. And I don't know, he didn't, he didn't make any Rotten Tomatoes, but if like you have like some, some movies that you're just like, yeah, it's less for me, but maybe it's for someone else. How would you rank Scorsese's movies? Birdo, we start with you. Okay, so his top three, uh, I just have his top filmography three, yeah. up here now. Um, his top three definitely go with uh, personal or like 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 personal personal yeah personal, personal. yeah. So let's go with um, King of Comedy. Uh, let's go with uh, number two Goodfellas. No, number two. Let's go with Raging Bull and number three Goodfellas. Nice. Those are like my yeah. the top three like. Uh, and um, for you wanted me to pick like three less, like least. Well, uh, yeah, that you didn't connect as much, like out of his filmography. You think are like are good, but maybe not your cup of tea, like all things considered. Yeah, I think um, bringing out the dead is just like something I watched like in my Scorsese hype, like uh, when I first like started watching Scorsese. I watched Bringing Out the Dead, and that was one where it's like a monk watching, you know, Goodfellas and casino and uh king of comedy like it was one that i kind of like tossed aside a bit um definitely uh i'm just looking at his filmography what new, uh, did you ever see new york new york yeah i was gonna mention no. that as one that i wasn't as crazy about i used to be like really like in love with that film but then i watched it recently like uh maybe about a month two months ago uh, it kind of was like a bit uh, like it didn't hit me as as, as much as I, it did like uh, a few a few a few years back. Mm. Like uh, definitely has like some cool moments between uh, uh, De Niro and uh, what's her face. <laughs> um, what's her name? I forget as well. Liza 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 Minnelli. Yeah. Definitely some cool moments in that relationship. Uh, it was a bit long, and uh, the musical numbers are cool. And then another one, uh, if I'd have to pick another one, 
I did watch. Uh, well, I'm not gonna count like his first two films because those are very like uh, like before Mean Streets. Um, I guess those two could count, but uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I actually watched that uh, a few weeks ago too, and that was like a less uh, less of a Scorsese film that. I wouldn't like go out and like uh, watch over and over. Mm. It's very mm. early Scorsese. Wait, perhaps hasn't but ever, quite ever found since his then. voice yet. Exactly, but ever since then, it's hard to pick like, like one after another. It's just like a great film. Like after, so Taxi Driver, then New York, New York. But after that, from Raging Bull onto now, like, oh, like wow, what a, what a filmography. Yeah. Uh, All right, Gallagher, me. your turn. Well, I mentioned three already at the the top of this segment. I mentioned Goodfellas, Departed, and Mean Street. So I'm not going to talk about those three because I've already talked about them. But three other ones that I would consider uh, recommending. Uh, we talked about it briefly, but The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, talk about a one man yes. show. Like, mm-hmm. the yeah. there is so much style to this movie. It's all about the the risk of excess like how much is too much and what happens when you've crossed that line uh and the potential consequences of that you'd think there'd be more consequences to that lifestyle but, but apparently all that money can buy a consequence free life and i think that's it's trying to be a cautionary tale but i don't think that's the cautionary tale i think the cautionary tale is how isolating that lifestyle is because at the end of the day mm-hmm. he's got nothing even yeah. though he got off relatively scot-free which i found was an interesting look at that world um hugo yes yeah very yeah, um, good pick. Yes. yeah very i think uh, hugo was a good film. yeah yeah so if you want to see a movie about movies I remember this came mm. out. You and I, Alberto, we were like, who's going to win Best Oct- uh, best Picture at the Oscars? Yeah. And you were like, well, it's going to be Hugo because the Academy has like a raging heart on for mo- movies about movies. And I'm like, well, I think the artist is going to get it because I think it's even more so. <laughs> and ultimately, yeah. the artist got it. But I think. Also mad. Also mad. <laughs> but I think Hugo is Martin Scorsese's love letter to cinema specifically i had a smile from ear to ear yeah it's it's very charming it's very (laughs) delightful it's one of those movies that actually used 3d as an art form to elevate the picture uh it's 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 his most family-friendly film that's for sure but it is a love letter to the early days of cinema and how we wouldn't have movies like anything we've talked about on the show without these early pioneers. Mm-hmm. And so it's a bit of a history lesson in a way, but through the guise of appreciation as opposed to being a lesson. So I think Hugo, underappreciated movie, wonderful yeah, style. Sure. I would agree. Wonderful yeah. style. Um, yeah. We talked about uh Shutter Island, so I'll segue after Shutter Island and t- uh, mention The Aviator. Another fantastic oh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio performance looking at a, a shattered mind 
as well as the industry at a particular point in time. And I think it's just one of those, you want to see glitz and glam and Hollywood and money. Basically, if you want to see what Iron Man's dad would have done back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And in terms of three movies that I don't find quite as accessible, uh, I'm not a big fan of The Last Temptation of Christ. That doesn't. Oh, no. Yeah, it doesn't really do it for me. It's not one that I'm like, eh. Um, very mixed opinions on Gangs of New York. Very yeah, mixed. Yeah, me too. I think it's the middle and the beginning are kind of weak. A very solid end. Cameron Diaz, unfortunately, I think harms the movie very much. Leo, yeah, I don't have much of an opinion on. But damn, if I'll not say, perhaps the best Daniel Day-Lewis has ever been. Yeah, I forgot, oh, to, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis as the butcher. Now that is a performance. And if you do watch Gangs in New York, you're not watching it for Leo. You're watching it for Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. So yeah. mixed opinions on Gangs in New York. I don't always feel the need to watch it because it is a conflicted and uneven movie. Uh but that's that's my two cents and as a third we'll go with the age of innocence i saw that uh, for the first time like actually like a year ago because i never had access to it just like it it was it's hard to get it on blu-ray over here and um i'm sure it's out by now but like i just i did i couldn't get my hands on it uh like those all those years ago but uh, it, they put it on Netflix, mm-hmm. and uh, and I watched it, and like I actually enjoyed it. Okay. Like, I thought the ending was so like, oh my god, when he walks away instead of going up to see her, like I found it like like heartbreaking, so heartbreaking, and uh, no, I, like I definitely wouldn't uh, call it like his like his top films, but it was one that I walked away and I was like, like that was a great film, yeah. good film. Um, I can mention like I we talked. I think it was Fred, but I also have difficulty rewatching Casino. I'm curious <laughs> as to why. You know, I'm curious as to why because yeah. I, I I can. Is it because what, what do you don't you like? I about find it? it's quite long, and I find that it's just not as engaging as something like Goodfellas. I think there's with Henry at the end of the day, he he goes to the FBI and he pulls out so he has like a, a redeeming quality at the, end of the day, at the end of the day but I find it's hard to relate to the characters in Casino I find they're more flawed but to the point where it's difficult to sympathize mm. and even the characters it was like more it was a more comical than anything but yeah so I don't know there's not comical but like uh, characters characters like they're not as uh, fully formed as in goodfellas yeah so there's something about casino that like i've i've probably seen it two or three times but i've always been like it feels like casino is how people portray the mafioso type and how they think it is as opposed to goodfellas which feels like an authentic portrayal if that makes sense maybe that was intended though Maybe, like, I don't know, but as a result, I find Casino to be, it doesn't quite do it as well for me at the end of the day. There's a lot of people I hear saying that, like, um, if Casino had come out before Goodfellas, Casino would have been regarded as the Goodfellas of 
You know what I mean? Right. Like whatever came first would have like had that like like that legacy the, effect. The legacy of the the gangster yeah, film. and then uh, too many people were comparing Casino to Goodfellas, I guess, as a result. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, the fact that they're so close together in his timeline—it's what like, two years apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I I love it personally. I like it, but I don't love it. Interesting. Well, we have right. very <laughs> very mixed opinions on Scorsese, <laughs> no, but it's that fine. is it's that's okay. great. Like I, I like that's that. That's when you know it's very. That's when you know it's controversial. Yeah. a good a good discussion. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I like how we have different um, opinions on Scorsese's filmography and him as an artist does different things to different people. We can all appreciate a different element. Yeah, and we all have different likes and dislikes for Scorsese. We haven't had anything really consistent between the three of us. It's true. Unlike, uh, yeah, unlike our James Bond conversation, it was fairly consistent across the board. This conversation is quite varied as a result. I would also like quickly like want to add in like his short films and his like uh, his short films are awesome and his commercials. And his commercials are awesome. His commercials are really good. <laughs> and um, also like his pilots for uh, those uh, shows like Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. And, uh, mm. And uh, what was that other one? A uh, vinyl. Yeah, vinyl. Vinyl. Both of those yep. written by Terrence Winter, who also wrote Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. Yeah. So both of those really, really, really solid HBO programs. It's a shame that vinyl was canceled after one season. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Cunny Valley was so good in that show. I love him. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Haven't seen vinyl. I saw a couple of episodes of Boardwalk Empire, but not not vinyl. But on my end, for Scorsese picks, um, well, I, I I discussed it a little more before, so we can maybe predict where I'm going. But um, my top three, I would say Cape Fear. So I yeah. like being like the <laughs> underdog here. <laughs> Cape Fear, The Departed, and out of respect for everything the movie represents, I would say Taxi Driver. Uh, my again, like I think the first time I saw. I saw it. I didn't like this movie that much. I found it like too too uh, too depressing. I think, and I I re- I rebought it. I bought it on Blu-ray. I rewatched it. I analyzed each scene, and I was just like, okay, no, there is genius in this no. film. Um, on and I can totally understand how it inspired so many movies after, like Joker being one, but so many others. And you no, know, like just the the the, the putrid New York of the nineteen seventies. Like you're you're almost rooting for the De, De Niro when you shouldn't because he, he's like supposed to be like unstable in that film. But it's still it's a it's a good film. So yeah, Taxi yeah. Driver out of respect for what it meant after. If I'm not mistaken, Scorsese um, was supposed to be a producer or an executive producer on Joker, but he ended up pulling out at some point. Oh, yeah. I thought he I thought he was. He, he yeah he doesn't have a, a credit on the movie oh maybe it was a spiritual one yeah but i think he was meaning, attached meaning to it like at some a, point yeah it makes it would make sense because oh my god um the the king of comedy influence in that film. the king of comedy and the taxi yeah. driver influence in joker like, is it's strong <laughs> like it's really strong, strong. Yeah. like there yeah. there are things pulled out right out of king yeah of and you got the nero in the movie as well yeah yeah so so. I think they try to keep the spirit alive, considering Scorsese was initially attached to the movie, and even people who don't like superhero movies, like Ridley Scott, really enjoys Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I, Ridley I Scott love, is, in my, is in my backyard. Yeah, I do too. Uh, oh, yeah, you're a big Ridley Scott fan, eh? I am, I am, yeah. <laughs> so that was a, that I want to have a discussion with Sean about Last Jewel eventually. But yeah, I'm a big Ridley Scott fan. Um, for my bottom three, and you know, there's so many movies out of like his filmography I haven't seen. Uh, I need to watch The Color of Money. It's on my list yeah. for. Uh, I, was, I, so I need to watch either. this one. I want to see it. Um, uh, I think it's going to be really good. Um, but I would say Silence. We mentioned it, but I, I don't feel the need to revisit that film. It was just too, too, like too harsh, too heavy on my shoulders, too slow. I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't get any enjoyment out of it, so I'm not gonna watch it again. Last Temptation of Christ, like you, Sean, not a great fan of this one. Didn't, I didn't came out of anything. Like, I, I didn't feel anything <laughs> after seeing that film. I'm just like, all right, the story of. You're Christ, not very good. religious, are you? <laughs> no, not that much. Not anymore. <laughs> so, two, two out of two is religious. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the last one, I would say, God, movie out of Scorsese, I didn't like that much. I would, you know what? It's, it's, it's weird. I would say, I don't want to say the aviator because I do recognize there's genius in that film and I do like it. I do really, I, I, I do really like DiCaprio's performance, um, in this film. I think he really, he really sells it. It's really good. But sometimes I'm struggling as to where the movie is going. It's there's issue with length again in this film as well. I don't know. It's the pacing is uneven in The Aviator. So sometimes I'm just like, up. Yeah, I'm, I'm some some scenes I really like, some I don't. So it's like a fifty-fifty. So considering that pretty much every film he does is pretty good, it's I would say I would pick this one as well. But mm-hmm. it's unfair because Aviator is still a good film, but I'm just I'm not as inspired as something compared like at as The Departed or Cape Fear mm-hmm. watching no. The Aviator. So makes sense. Yeah. I, w- I would have laughed. I'm just uh, laughing inside my head. It would have been so funny if you would have said Kundan. As a, your I haven't seen that one myself. Religious one. I haven't seen Kundan. No. <laughs> so that would be three for three <laughs> religious films. Would have been a little biased. <laughs> but uh, right, yeah, that was a great uh, Scorsese discussion. It's a way to my yeah. Time. Yeah, no, it was fun. Uh, it's a major filmmaker who haven't discussed more uh, like that much on this show. So it was uh, it was cool to have you on board as an official Scorsese aficionado. So thank you, Birdo. And for, for sharing your official. knowledge. I wouldn't say official, but yeah. definitely it's been since the day one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. So, yeah, it's been uh, close. Not not yet, but close to two hours. So it was a really good discussion. Thank you both for uh, for this fun discussion of Scorsese and what it is to go to Cannes. Eventually, Sean, it's going to be our turn to go as well. Espresso. And we can jump Espresso. on stage and harass <laughs> Scorsese and Travolta. Yeah, <laughs> frenchly. But we'll have, <laughs> we'll have press badges this time, so we'll be able to actually book yeah. interviews. You should apply. Yeah. Oh, we, we very well might. You never know. Oh, dude. Uh, you'd love it. Oh, There's so many films to cover, man. As a for for uh, for press and everything, like to do that coverage. No, oh my god! First, so first we'll try to do TIFF. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. stay yeah. in our own backyard start a little slow. bit. <laughs> yeah. But walk before you can run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Walk before you can run, uh, or was it uh, walk before you can crawl? And then Danny Ocean's like, no, nope, reverse that <laughs> because <laughs> Ocean's alive. Uh, all right. 
<laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, for the audience, stay, uh, stay tuned because we have our last episode of 2021 coming soon where Sean and I were going to do a Christmas special yeah. discussing Christmas movies and Christmas classics and maybe like um, discuss the eternal debate uh, about is Die Hard an official Christmas movie or not? I've already thrown that into <laughs> the, that I've, question. I've thrown the article into the internet. Uh, yeah. yesterday and I've already kicked the hornet's nest. Some people are like, yes, of course it's a Christmas movie. And some people are like, well, if it's a Christmas movie, then so is like Iron Man 3 and Lethal Weapon. And other people are like, no, no, it's not a Christmas movie. So already it's proven to be quite divisive. And I think that is totally a conversation worth having. Yeah, no, totally. And we'll have some eggnog uh, w along with that. Maybe some a drink out of eggnog. I don't know exactly what. I'll, I'll, I'll figure that research, out as well. That's <laughs> a good holiday drink to have. Maybe I'll do like a hot toddy because I've talked about it on the show before. Yeah, done deal, brother. Yeah. I'll do. I'll try to do the same. All right, Berto, it's been a pleasure having you, man. It's yeah. uh, we'll technical issues you, uh, aside. Two, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, technical yeah. issues aside, next year we'll welcome you again. We'll discuss some. Uh, some other films uh, oh, that man. inspired us. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait, man. All right, well, th All right. thanks for being Thank on the you. show. Thank, Thank you, you so much, brother. All right, boys, have a good one. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>